1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: On this episode, part two of my two-part conversation with writer Micah Dank on MKUltra, the CIA's use of LSD and trauma to hack the human mind.
2: Let's just say they were trying to find the therapeutic dose, and at the same time they were trying to find the limits of the human mind. What's the old saying is that if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs.
0: Check out the huge selection of Strange Planet merchandise in my online shop. Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop in the menu or find the link in the episode notes for this podcast. At my Strange Planet shop, you'll find unique men's, women's, unisex t-shirts and athletic shirts, leggings, tote bags, mugs, neck gaiters and stickers and more all emblazoned with amazing artwork designed exclusively for my Strange Planet shop by artist-illustrator Rick Forgus. If you're a fan of Strange Planet, why not show it off? Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop, or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link. It's a strange planet. Dress for it.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres.
0: Hey, Micah, welcome back. How are you? good. The Into the Rabbit Hole series of books. Let's begin by telling people how they can order a copy or an autographed copy, better yet.
2: Yes, an autographed copy. So I'm on uh, Amazon. My publisher put me on Amazon. And to the Rabbit Hole series, the first four books are out. The fourth book came out five days ago, and there's still two more to come. And uh, you can also reach me at Twitter or Facebook at Micah Dank. And get direct uh, signed copies directly from me if you're interested.
0: You also delve into MKUltra, the CIA's notorious mind control program, which began probably in the late 40s, early 50s this is part two of our two-part conversation. Let's begin with the mysterious death, some say suicide, of Dr. Frank Olson, who was a bioweapons expert working with the U.S. military. Suddenly, in 1953, he's found on on the sidewalk after either jumping out or being tossed out of the 13th floor window of the uh, Statler Hotel in New York City. So tell me about Frank Olson.
2: So basically, you have to understand, with, with, as far as MKUltra goes, is that a lot of the traces of MK Ultra were destroyed by the authorities who were investigating the rogue CIA activity following Watergate in the 70s, but some of their stuff was not destroyed, and one of them was Frank Olson. Basically, he was working on the secret program and then supposedly fell to his death, as you mentioned, on the 13th floor of the Manhattan Hotel. And the official word was they said that he committed suicide because of job-related stress, Even though nine days prior, he sent a letter to his wife saying he made a mistake working there and he needed to get out. So we see that nowadays happening all the time with people. It doesn't seem to matter when you're online. And you tell people, I'm not suicidal, or this isn't for me, or I'm not part of this, and then I'm getting suicided anyway. It's like they don't even care. Years later, it was admitted that the CIA gave Olson LSD without his consent, because that's how they were working. Early MKUltra experimented with like heroin, MDMA, meth, mescaline, mushrooms, barbiturates, cannabis, alcohol, everything. In fact, when it came to Frank Olson, President Gerald Ford issued an official apology. However... When his body was actually exhumed in 1994, his skeleton showed that he had been hit in the head and thrown through the window. So who knows what he was working on during those early days. But in uh, 2012, his oldest son, Eric, filed a lawsuit against the CIA claiming that his father was tortured and killed, much in the same way that MKA Ultra people are usually broken down. And the reason behind that is because he had seen too many human rights abuses and he could no longer be trusted. See, he was a liability at this point because he had seen it. See, they make you work on it. And then what happens is when you get to a certain point you become expendable. And that's basically what happened to him. So there's a lot of mystique going on around him.
0: Right. Particularly if he was threatening to leave the bioweapons program and then go public with it, perhaps. So you're right. right. They would have to he would be quote end quote a loose end. It also came out that the person who likely administered LSD to Olson either in New York or back in in Maryland was uh, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb yeah 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 the infamous what was his nickname uh, Dr. Poison or something basically he was a he was a chemist but also the head of their assassination program using poison. yes,
2: absolutely. Uh, I have not been able to find too much on him to be honest with you, but the name is very familiar. Sidney Gottlieb, yes. Supposedly, he uh, he was the one that was dosing people. Was his nickname Dr. Poison?
0: Um, it was something like that. It was uh, the Dirty Trickster, I think, was one of them. And they also called him the Black Sorcerer. But That
2: th- sounds much more reasonable than, than right. Dr. Poison. Yeah. Right,
0: but he has, in fact, been named as the person who gave Olson, who was uh, the Army Bacteriologist LSD, which, I mean, if it happened in New York... At the Statler Hotel, he, if he was dosed there, it's possible that he became uncontrollable. Maybe he flew into a rage. Then maybe he was manhandled, and and uh, they ended up throwing him out of the window. Maybe he after he well, was
2: then, yeah, you'd have to explain how his body was exhumed and he had a freaking. He had a, a bump in his skull,
0: right? Although, if he if he did jump from the thirteenth floor window, you know, because he was delusional from the LSD, he was hallucinating. That would, you know, that would explain how he would get the bump on his head. I, I well, presume. Well,
2: that's that, that's one thing. But it, this was this was uh, this was pre mortem. Ah, the hit pre mortem. Okay, that's it was pre mortem. Right. The obviously, when you hit the ground, you know, and you splatter. That's one thing. But you're talking a pre mortal, a pre mortem hit. Okay, so, so that that's pretty been, definitive. But that's, that's probably what happened. That's a reasonable thing that happened He was given acid he was not aware that he was given LSD and he just went nuts. but I've known people on LSD you know it doesn't you don't you you don't get to the point where you kill yourself on this stuff usually if it's I mean he had to have been given a massive dose.
0: Right, right. Just another interesting sideline about the black sorcerer, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, and, and that is after he retired, apparently, and I don't know if this is apocryphal or whether it's 100% true, you mentioned Frank Olson's son. I don't know if that was Frank Jr. actually visited Gottlieb in retirement at his home. He lived in, I think, Virginia after he retired Gottlieb. No, yeah,
2: his son. His oldest son was Eric.
0: Eric. Okay, maybe it was Eric that visited uh, Gottlieb. But I don't know exactly what was said at that meeting. But uh, boy, would I uh, would have liked to have been a fly on the wall when Eric Olson... I guarantee you
2: it was recorded. I guarantee you it was recorded and it's out somewhere. I guarantee you it's been recorded. The interesting thing too is MKUltra was officially authorized by uh, the CIA director Alan Dulles in April 53. That's the same year that Olson was killed.
0: Right. Just a few months uh, later, nine months later, uh, he died? Yes,
2: it wasn't wasn't very far After.
0: So then the interesting thing, you mentioned how he had witnessed, Olson that is had witnessed human rights abuses so one would have to surmise what he meant by that was seeing the interrogation of prisoners by the CIA because that's what they were trying to do with his LSD to see if it could be used to enhance interrogation.
2: There was a movie that came out and it was kind of a silly movie but people kind of just don't take much to it you remember when Zoolander came out with Ben Stiller?
0: I never saw it because I was not a huge Ben Stiller fan. Well
2: you have to see it because it's literally the story of ben Stiller is a a, he's like a somewhat semi washed out model and there's like a new up-and-coming model male model coming into it and basically ben stiller gets this role of a lifetime to work for a company called mugadu or mugabu interesting name by the way and what happens is they basically mk ultra him in order to kill the prime minister of malaysia because he's starting to give people working rights and people in uh, malaysia he's starting to increase the pay for people so clothing is going up exponentially so in order to keep this down they invite him to a fashion show where ben stiller is supposedly mk ultra he has to kill this guy and the way they show you how he's mk Ultra'd is very fast and very silly but they basically... You remember Clockwork Orange? Oh, yes. You know, we, where he had his eyes open and he just kept wetting him. And he just basically brought him through madness.
0: Right, right. Sle- uh, sleep deprivation.
2: Right. That's basically what they did, is they just pumped him full of this. And then, you must kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia, this and that. and They gave him a secret code word. And then he, like wakes up, and he's foggy, he doesn't remember things, and it's, Zoolander's an Ultra movie, 100%. Oh,
0: that, okay, and it's on my list now, Micah, thank you for that. That's basically what Gottlieb, we mentioned uh, the black sorcerer, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb was doing, because you mentioned that company that Ben Stiller's character was working for, it just kind of triggered something. They tried to assassinate, or Gottlieb was sent over to uh, Africa, not, you, you said Malaysia, but um, Gottlieb was sent to the Congo. In Is that, the that Robert er- Bugatu? No, it was Patrice Lumumba. He was the Prime Minister of the Congo and Gottlieb was sent over there to take him out. He took a vial of poison there and he was going to put it on Lubamba's uh, toothbrush. And I'm not sure exactly what happened it didn't it, it didn't go down but well Lumumba, Lumumba was eventually overthrown in a in a military coup but Gottlieb was famous for this he, he there was that operation mongoose they were trying to take out Castro and Gottlieb was involved with that whole poison cigars and and putting uh, I remember
2: hearing that, yeah.
0: thallium on Castro's shoes and all these different you know things. what's
2: interesting about uh, about the cigar thing did you know that President John F Kennedy ordered it was either 2200 or twenty-two thousand Cuban cigars right before he signed the embargo.
0: Oh, is that right?
2: Interesting. He ordered a bunch of Cuban cigars right before he signed the embargo.
0: This is kind of a a total aside from what we're talking about. But speaking of Cuban (laughs) cigars, Fidel Castro was a huge baseball fan. He played semi-pro in Cuba and was a huge fan of Jolt and Joe DiMaggio. So Uh after the embargo and DiMaggio loved Cuban cigars, Castro would send Every week, he would send by diplomatic courier Cuban cigars to Joe DiMaggio. Oh, wow. Uh, So DiMaggio could continue to enjoy smoking his Cubans, and because they were in a diplomatic pouch, they they could circumvent the embargo. And then years later, when DiMaggio died, he actually bequeathed that weekly diplomatic courier service to sports writer Bert Sugar who was the the founder, I don't know if you know Bert Sugar, he was the founder of Ring Magazine and uh, I met Bert Sugar many years uh, ago but so Bert Sugar continued to smoke cigars, Cuban cigars delivered from uh, Fidel Castro because of uh, Joe DiMaggio. So anyway
2: Wow. A quick I mean, here. if we're talking about Joe DiMaggio, too, when Marilyn Monroe died, he is the one that sent her a dozen roses to her grave every single day. And I believe DiMaggio's final words were, his final words were, I'll finally get to see Marilyn.
0: That's right. Some speculate that they were planning to remarry at the time of her death, but I don't know if that's true. Okay, so back to these early LSD experiments, and you mentioned Olson.
2: Well, most of the experiments took place at Fort Detrick in Maryland before mm-hmm. it spread to universities and hospitals. Right. So God, right. God knows what was happening at Fort Detrick.
0: I wanted to also mention Pont Saint-Esprit in southern France, where mm-hmm. two years before Olson's death in August of 1951, the, this entire village started hallucinating And uh, something like five people died and several dozen ended up were taken to mental hospitals because they were having these horrible hallucinations and uh, people on bikes and cars were driving off the road. As I said, five people killed and they they tried to blame it on a mold uh, that contaminated the bread, which once it ferments, it can be a psychedelic. It's
2: absolutely incredible to me that it was only five people. But it
0: couldn't have been—they call that ergot contamination. It couldn't have been that because it—it it would have been—it wouldn't have been isolated to one village, you know. It would have been right. so widespread. And then it later came out that, according to some some documents, that the CIA had knowingly contaminated the bread to use these people of this village as a as an experiment. They sat back and they watched to see what would happen. I mean, that's unconscionable. Maybe that's right. the kind of stuff that Olson knew about when he decided it was time to leave the biochemical or the bioweapons program.
2: Oh, 100%. You know, like I said, you know, that, what really gets to me, again, is that nine days prior, he sent a letter to his wife saying he made a mistake there and he needed to get out.
0: More of my conversation with Micah Dank when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love Tales of the Paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule ESS-60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS 60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day, and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years, and during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality were both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash richard hyphen or click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60 Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today.
1: If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: A little bit later in the 1950s, we have Ted Kaczynski, who is a, a mathematical prodigy who enters Harvard University, I think he's 16, in 1958 arrives at Harvard and he's involved not necessarily with Timothy Leary's LSD experiments because those happened I think Leary brought LSD back from Mexico in the 19, in 1960 or Mush, magic mushrooms so those experiments at Harvard started a little later but who knows Kaczynski may have been involved in those but he was involved in some sort of a trauma type experiment with uh, mm-hmm. Henry a Murray can you tell me a little bit about Kaczynski at Harvard
2: that was between 53 and 64 I believe. That was when the project was going on, and he was one of the students there. So he's this math prodigy. And what he had been exposed to is your typical Manchurian candidate type of programming, basically, where they were just basically pushing the human mind to see how far it would go. Now, I don't think he was given massive doses of acid. I don't, but I think there were other things involved, like sleep deprivation, sensory deprivation, torture, things of that level, absolutely. And uh, I mean, all you have to do is look at how he acted when he left, he left academia completely, secluded himself, secluded himself off the grid, and started building makeshift bombs. Right. To, i mean do you remember who he was sending them to professors yep and i who think may some also, and some indu- may have also had something to do with it
0: possibly right right and he wrote this huge manifesto of course blaming technology the industrial revolution and so forth but yet the uh, the professor that was running that experiment Henry A Murray mm-hmm. i don't know that there was torture involved but they he would basically I- interrogate these students they had to write essays, and uh-huh. uh, then he would interrogate the the uh, almost like they were defending a, a Ph.D. thesis. But he was so brutal in his, you know, he would emotionally abuse them. He would yell at them, and uh, again, this was to, to try and see if he could change their mind, basically based on the interrogation method. And this was all information that the CIA used. And then, as I say, along comes Timothy Leary at Harvard with the magic mushrooms and the LSD experiments. And apparently, Henry Murray was overseeing those experiments that that Leary was conducting. So who knows? Maybe Kaczynski was not only being subjected to the mental and emotional abuse from Murray's program, maybe he was also involved in Leary's program with LSD. You combine those two, trauma, LSD, you can hack the human mind that way.
2: And you got to understand, too, it's important to know is, is that when you're at a university and you take part in these clinical trials, usually you get college credit or extra credit for doing this. That's why a lot of these brand new clinical trials that crop up or these trials, so to speak, these uh, these things that these professors are working on. A lot of the this- students go into these clinical trials. Now, it's also important to realize is that the way they MK Ultra now is not the way they MK Ultra in the beginning. It's much different right now. I just recently read an article that blew my mind because I know this is what it's being used for. But did you know that they've found a way to you're familiar with uh, lucid dreaming, right? Oh, yes. Did you know that they now have the ability to communicate with the lucid dreamer while they're in the dream?
0: Fascinating. So basically, they would be, I would imagine, highly suggestible at that time.
2: Oh, the most suggestible. Amazing. The most suggestible. Amazing. And what they do, they don't torture you anymore. What they basically do is they put something called binaural beats in your ear. I don't know if you've heard of those. No. They're two, they're they're basically, they put earplugs in your ears. And what happens is one is on a certain wavelength and the other is on a other wavelength. And what it does is it depresses your natural defenses. It basically calms you down till a suggestible point. This is not as violent as it used to be. So that's what they basically do nowadays. Right. Um, you know, you could talk about Ken Casey, who wrote "One Over the flew over the cuckoo's nest" back in the day. Mm-hmm. He was part of one of them.
0: LSD experiments. Yeah, I think that was at Stanford, if uh, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Also the. Uh, what was his name is it Robert Hunter he wrote he was the lyricist for the Grateful Dead I don't think he played in the band he I think also admitted to being part of the LSD experiments at Stanford along with Ken Kesey mm-hmm. and um, Ken Kesey of course and the Merry Pranksters were involved with the electric Kool-Aid acid tests where mm-hmm. they And there was a time, this was in that period in California before LSD was illegal. It was still legal up until about 1965 Mm -hmm. or 66, I think. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of introducing the population to LSD. And Mm -hmm. then along comes the Grateful Dead. And you've got Robert Hunter, who, did he cooperate with the CIA? Was he the one that introduced LSD to the Grateful Dead? Owsley Stanley was producing LSD in his apartment at Berkeley. He was he was like the number one supplier of LSD. All the groups, all the musical yes. groups were getting their LSD from Owsley Stanley. Did he have some sort of a deal with the, the CIA?
2: Yeah, you have to understand is that a lot of the stuff that they were trying to do at first was let's call let's call what MK Ultra was doing with acid. Let's just say they were trying to find the therapeutic dose. And at the same time, they were trying to find the limits of the human mind. Right. Okay? So that's the best way to put it right there. They're trying to develop because this stuff just comes out, right? And they're testing it and they're getting results. Otherwise, they wouldn't be using it. So they're getting results, clearly. And they're just trying to find the range of the human human ability. And what's the old saying is that if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs.
0: You're right. So maybe what they were doing is by using groups like the Grateful Dead... People like Owsley Stanley, Robert Hunter, Ken Kesey, and the Merry Pranksters—they were trying to introduce it to the general population to observe them. Remember, you know, right. Vietnam was just starting to get going, and maybe right, they thought right, right. maybe they thought that they could control. The demonstrators and the peace movement by by dosing them, but right. in, in effect, what ended up happening was, uh, as you mentioned uh, off the air earlier, you know, John Lennon pointed this out and others. They they thought they were going to control people with LSD, but they ended up waking them up. It backfired.
2: Yep, it did, 100%. There's a very good case to be made that when John Lennon said that, he kind of sealed his fate when he publicly said that. There's a good case to make of that. I'm not going to make it right now, but there's a good case to say that when he said that about LSD, they were like, all right, this guy's got to go.
0: Right, right.
2: I forget it was him or the we're more popular than Jesus, if that was Lennon or McCartney. That was Lennon. That was Lennon too, yeah. Yeah, so he was doing all sorts of things that basically got him in trouble. But um, again, if we're still talking about Lennon, we have to go back to Mark David Chapman, whose father was in the aviation. And that gave them accessibility to the military. And Mark David Chapman is an MKUltra, so, uh, MK absolutely. I think we went over it a little bit last time. We basically, did. Basically, with the catcher in the rye and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, we went over that. Incidentally, I watched the movie Conspiracy Theory after you recommended it to me. And he needed the catcher in the rye. He had to buy it every time.
0: Mel, Mel Gibson's character. That's right. That was the trigger mechanism.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. I- It's amazing.
0: It is, it is. Well, you you mentioned Mark David Chapman. I know that he worked with the YMCA, and Mm -hmm. apparently the YMCA had a camp in Lebanon, and Mark David Chapman was taken to Lebanon with the, I, the YMCA at a certain point. This was in the mid to late 70s. So then the question is, is it possible that his handler at YMCA was was CIA? The YMCA and the CIA, who knows? I don't know, I'm connecting dots and there may not be dots here to connect, but right. uh, I think maybe the key to what happened to Mark David Chapman may be what happened to him at that camp in Lebanon. Why Why Lebanon of all places? You know, the CIA, I... British intelligence, they
2: both had camps there. Yeah, I uh we're talking about Lebanon in the Middle East, right? Not like Lebanon, Correct. New Hampshire. Correct. Right, okay. I could only venture, a guess. I, I I wasn't I wouldn't really be sure why they would go all the way to Lebanon. Maybe it was because of the time frame and the communication method and the how we didn't have instant communication and the ability to see people over there maybe they did some nefarious things over there it's completely possible i mean did we talk about manson last time
0: just we may have in passing
2: manson is another one manson's another one i mean have you ever listened to him ramble before oh yes yeah. he's not a dumb he's not a dumb man or he wasn't a dumb man not by any means he had a tragic life and 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 what he did was was unforgivable. But he was MK Ultra as well. You believe so? He, hmm. he was in the music scene. Remember? Remember how close he was with the Beach Boys? Oh
0: yeah, he uh, befriended Dennis Wilson, and uh, he wrote some songs. He actually they recorded some songs
2: together. Yeah, I mean he was he was in it, you know. And and now when they MK Ultra, just everybody knows that they MK Ultra. All these like Disney kids and the pop stars and all that stuff. That was the early workings of it. Is when they were testing it there. Oh man! I mean, honestly, like you listen to him talk sometimes, and a lot of times it's scary. But but many many of the times he's just he's just telling you what happened, and everyone's just ignoring it. Do you remember that interview he had on? uh, God, what was it? Well, who I can't remember who it was.
0: I'm not sure if uh, Geraldo Rivera or Larry King interviewed him, but yeah, he was was one of the two. Yeah, yeah.
2: It was one of the two. Yeah, and it was just this big rambling thing and and you could just decode it and you could just see how his mind had been completely fractured.
0: So what do you think the idea was there is to, was to create this monster, Manson, and then just let him loose on the population. Because of course, after after 69, August of 69. He
2: um, tried to create, he tried to create a race war. He did. Which is, which is no different than what the media is doing nowadays.
0: But also it sort of brought an end to that whole summer of love ethos and the the hippie movement. The 60s died, obviously, with, with Manson.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. But like I said, the mission was always to create a race war because if you can keep people in fighting, then it keeps the people in power in power and then let the peons fight over the scraps.
0: Micah, how do we get a copy uh, or copies of your Into the Rabbit Hole series? All four.
2: Reach out to me on uh, Facebook or Twitter at Micah Denk and uh, tell me you want some autographed copies and then we'll work something out with PayPal or Venmo and then uh, I'll send them to you. And uh, you could also get them on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. I'm having audiobooks come out. The first audiobook for the first book is coming out April 27th. The second is May 17th. And uh, interestingly enough, for book two, are you familiar with a show called Perfect Strangers? No, no. Oh, no. Oh, the, oh, the old TV
0: show. The old TV show.
2: Yeah, with Balky. Oh, yes, yes. With Balki, um, Bronson Pinchot. Yes. He's actually, he's actually doing the reading for my second book. That's great. Yes. So... I was pretty excited about that. Congratulations! Uh, yes, I actually picked him out because they, my publisher, sent me, uh, sent me three every time. Every time they they need a new reader, they send me three voices, and then I have to basically they, they basically audition for me, and then I pick out who I like. And I picked him out, not realizing who he was, and then I scrolled over his name, and I was like, "Oh, I know him."
0: So, <laughs> Bronson Fincher. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, Micah, listen. Congratulations, and uh, we'll talk again soon down the road.
2: Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to get into the Book of Enoch with you All at right. some point. Let's do it. If you're interested, absolutely. You're gonna love what I've done with it too.
0: Okay, it's a date. Micah Dank, Thank thanks you. so much. Thank you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be right back with a few details about an upcoming episode. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash There are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet. patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next time, my conversation with broadcaster, former Coast to Coast AM weekend host, John B. Wells.
1: I would say that after the years that you put into it and after the years that I've put into it, we really are able to see most, most of it that's going to impact us in the immediate and in the imminent, not going to say long term, but the the, the mid-range term. We see these things now in our imagination. Then when we see them come to contribute more to the dystopian reality we appear to be living, it's not so dystopian for me or you, I suspect, because we've already seen it. We know two things, human nature and that Oscar Wilde thing. The one thing that human beings cannot resist is temptation. We know that if you give these people powerful toys to play with, they're going to play with them.
0: Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.
1: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com